0: Part of it is that you can't avoid stress. Stress is a natural part of life, but you don't have to let it dominate and control you and ruin your life. Yes. So it's all about how you react to stress. So, you know, by, by learning new reactions to stress based on mindfulness, also based on, you know, how to view your stress in a more empowering way, and emotion regulation, um, and positive psychology. You can, you can not only manage your stress, but you can actually eventually build a different brain that gets less stressed.
1: Okay, hi folks, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I am Dr. John Duffy. I am your host as usual, and um, as usual, I so appreciate you protecting some time for myself and my guests. Today, my guest is Dr. Melanie Greenberg. Welcome, Dr. Greenberg.
0: Hi, John. I'm happy to
1: be here. I'm so glad you're here. Um, so you are—you're um, a psycho. You and I have some things in common. We're both psychologists <laughs> and life coaches in private practice. Um, we're both authors, um, but but you've you've got you've got something interesting that I don't have in, in your background. Um, you, you, where where you grew up? I think that's going to be interesting for our listeners to hear. And to hear about your new book and how that applies to our world today and our lives today, I think people are going to be very interested to um, to hear about that. So um, why don't we start there? Your your book is called the Stress the Stress Proof Brain. Um, tell us a little bit about what brought you to the idea of of, of writing a book about stress and how to inoculate ourselves um, through cognition, um, uh, from some of that stress. Uh,
0: thank you, John. So, you know, I think we live in particularly stressful times and, um, the American Psychological Association did a survey this year and early in the year, I think January or February. And for the first time in the 10 year history of the survey, there was a significant increase in anxiety compared to the year before. So we kind of, we, we reaching record levels of stress and anxiety, Yeah, and you know, I'd sort of been picking it up for a while. A lot of transition, a lot of clients coming in, very anxious about the world and how it's going, and money, and and so I thought, you know, the time was right for a book on stress. And then, in terms of the brain, I'm very excited by this new frontier of neuroscience and how it could interface with therapy, and the fact that it's so new and it's and it's emerging, and we're figuring it out. Uh, but we actually know more about the brain in the past 10 years than we did in the previous hundred. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So that's really exciting to me. Um, and it's, there's new technology, the fMRI, I guess it came out in the past 10 years. So we can actually scan the brain in real time. We can see which parts light up and how, you know, things move around when this, when people are anxious or when people are facing different things. And is that
1: that the main advancement that you see that allows you to kind of really monitor um, our reactions to stress is kind of like to see kind of electrically where our brain is stimulated when stressed?
0: Yeah. And I also come from a research background. Uh, I was a professor for 10 years. And so... It's, it's also, you know, you can look at stress as cortisol. You can measure cortisol, and there's other measures in the body: blood pressure, heart rate, right, skin conductance, and so on. But to me, the brain is is new. You know, we've had that other stuff around for a while. The brain is new. Yes, um, yes, and that's exciting. And then the other piece is mindfulness. That um, you know, there's been research on how mindfulness changes the brain. That's also come out in the past five, five to 10 years. And that that's exciting to me as well, that we can change the brain with mindfulness.
1: Right, right, right. So so do you mind explaining just for our listeners a little bit, what what exactly is mindfulness? What are we talking about when we say that? Because this is, this is a word that I think a lot of us hear frequently. And I've worked with a lot of people in the last couple of years who said, you know, I think I should do mindfulness training, but I'm not sure I know what that is, and is. I'm not sure how that's going to help me. Do you mind explaining that just a little bit for us?
0: Yeah, sure. It's become like stress. It's like such a widely used term. Right. And you sometimes are not quite sure exactly what it is. And and people also have their own definitions. Uh, so, you know, for some people it's meditation. It's mindfulness meditation. To me, mindfulness meditation is a tool. It's one of, of many tools that you can u- use to basically gain c- control over your attention, the attentional focus of your brain. So, a basic definition would be paying attention deliberately to present moment awareness to whatever's coming up in your experience in the present moment but it's not only deliberately it's with with openness and compassion it's with an open spacious nonjudgmental accepting attitude so it's a certain
1: toward, attitude toward toward the self toward others toward everything
0: Towards so, everything, towards any experience that comes up, whether it's your sensory experience, whether it's emotions, whether it's thoughts, yeah, you know, whether it's you know your other people or what you're observing. So it's really, in a way, the antidote to fear. It's it's be, or anxiety. It's it's being able to watch the fear and, and anxiety and and you know have a give a certain compassion and spaciousness and acceptance to it. Right. To train your brain to learn how to do that. So in that way. You have a little bit more con- power, I suppose. You know, over how you react to things.
1: Yes, yes. Um, um, it, it, it seems to me, um, and, and I'm curious to see if you agree. I'm just thinking about my clients now, myself, um, to be present, open, non-judgmental. Um, it feels like, wow, that that does feel like the keys to the kingdom um, in a lot of ways, and yet in this world where. We are so preoccupied. We are so judgmental, in particular, probably of ourselves. It seems almost, almost like something that can't be obtained. But I think you're saying, oh, with mindfulness training, you can get there.
0: You can get there. It's a process. Like the brain, um, the brain takes time to change. You know, it's not like there's a a magic bullet or you can just (laughs) take a pill. I mean, I guess you can to some degree, but...
1: Um, <laughs> but that's not what we're recommending here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but, you know, the brain changes through repeated practice. Right. Because, right. you know, you basically first the chemicals change, you know, the levels of different chemicals as you change, say, if you become less anxious, um, redirect your thoughts. But then over time, the actual pathways change. Yeah.
1: Because...
0: Neurons that fire together, wire together, they say. So you, you can actually change the wiring. You can change the circuits, but it takes time. That takes you know more like three to six months. Um, whereas, you know, but so it's like you get changes, but then suddenly around three months, you'll get a big change because your brain is actually, you've built a new road, I suppose you could say. I love
1: that. I love that. So, so I, I love the hope in that, that we can retrain the brain to react differently to stress. If you don't mind taking a step back with me for a second. Sure. So uh, I agree with you. It does feel like we are, we live in very, very stressful times. Um, and maybe this is an unfair question to ask of you, but what do you make of that? Like why, why are, why is it here in 2017? Why is this more stressful than it was in 1987? You know, what, 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 what's the difference? Yeah. that we, You know, why, why is it so stressful these days? I
0: think, I think a a couple different factors um in the apa survey they were saying that a lot of americans are scared about the future of the country Mm -hmm. there's you know the political climate it's it's very uncertain it's very contentious and um polarizing and you know some so there's that and um i think the other piece is is that things have become very competitive just with globalization and like almost turning more towards monopoly capitalism, like the corporations are yes. getting so much more power compared to the average worker. And people are losing their jobs because of globalization. So there's this rapid change that, you know, people, that you may have thought you, you had skills and you were secure and suddenly there's no security anymore. And I think, I think that's huge for people. They're really, you know, we hate uncontrolled. our brains hate uncontrollable stress. Um, so you know that that combination of it being unpredictable and uncontrollable and yet so important to survival is really triggering.
1: It really is. and 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 you're so right. Our brains hate uncontrollable stress. that is that is an absolute truth. And to know that we can retrain our brain through mindfulness is is a grand relief. So, um, I, I assume that in in fmRI based studies, you see, a, a difference in in brain activity um, with with mindfulness training, yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean so I can in a general way, they did a meta-analysis of a whole bunch of different studies um, and they found that the mindfulness actually causes changes in about eight different brain areas. Wow, and, I'm, and I mean, it's a lot. and so the functions of those brain areas are managing stress, regulating emotion. Focusing Attention, Compassion and Empathy, and there's a a bunch of others. Productivity, you know, related to productivity and self-control. So And and that's also why a lot of corporations, big corporations, are are kind of incorporating mindfulness and getting mindfulness in there. Places like Google and Aetna and General Mills. I think it's because they see, you know, you can be healthier, happier, more productive. You can have employees with those qualities um in terms of stress there's a part of the brain called the amygdala which is an almond shaped structure in the middle of our brains a
1: tiny little uh, structure right i mean for for something so potent a very tiny piece of the brain yes
0: exactly tiny and you know right in the middle there right and it's kind of like the fire chief of the brain It's, it's looking um it's looking out for for something that's a threat, or something that we have to pay attention to that's important for survival. Right. And it starts firing, and then it sets, uh, It's uh, there's a cascade of hormones and neurotransmitters in the stress response, and we get all amped up to fight, or, to, or for fight or flight. Yes. To fight or to run away, um, and then they, lately they've also discovered to freeze. Yes. Uh, and then there's another part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, Right behind our forehead is the executive functioning center. Right. Um, So the amygdala gets very fast and very rapid. It just sends us in there. But if we can slow things down, then we can get the prefrontal cortex on board. And it's able to send a message to the amygdala. Like, you know, it's cool. Calm down. We've got this. Don't freak out. You know, whatever it is. Right, right,
1: right. And do you find that if you can get a client to understand the nature of that system within the brain that that helps them to regulate stress? Do you think is is it fundamental and important to understand how that works? Or do you feel like, no, we can do do all that mindfulness training and you can learn that neuroplasticity without um, really understanding how the brain works?
0: So that's a really good question. I think there are people that learn mindfulness that maybe don't focus on the brain as much. And um, you know, I think there's physiological benefits and I think maybe, you know, they just relate to the world in a different way and it's more about that.
1: Right, right. You know,
0: take your brain away from worrying about the, the future or regretting the past and just, you, you know, direct yourself to the present moment, direct your attention to the present moment. Some people, it's more spiritual. Um, yeah, but I do yeah. think knowing the brain really like adds another dimension to it. It feels
1: like it. There's a comfort in hearing you describe the connection between the prefrontal cortex and the amygdala and, um, and the control we have and re- the recognition that, you know, what happens when we get stressed is that amygdala starts firing and engaging <laughs> exactly. the, the, the prefrontal cortex. And if you can slow that process down, which you can, and I think a lot of us in the midst of a stressful moment, I, when I was a uh, boy, um, I would have panic attacks. And Mm -hmm. if I knew that I had any agency over that, that would have changed the nature. I I think I would have been able to mitigate the panic attack itself. Do do you think that's probably true?
0: Exactly. It's like if you understand what's going on, an agency is huge. If you know that, you know, it may take a bit of time, but there's a way there's a way to deal with this. I think it really helps. Yes. Otherwise you just feel like, oh my God, what's happening to me? I'm dying, you know? Yes. Right. Right. And, and,
1: and I have no agency over this, right? This is happening to me. I, 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 it's not with me. It's not, you know, it's, it's an, an agent from the outside and to think, okay, I have some agency within my brain. This is actually happening in here, in my mind.
0: Yeah. And exactly. And even the separation, the separation You know, this is, it's not me, it's not the entire me, it's, not, it's my brain reacting. There's something in that is very comforting too, and yes. de as well.
1: Yes. Um, so um, I, I'm going I'm to turn the page for just a second here because there's something I'm curious about. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. Um, I'm always no. <laughs> curious as to what brings people into our profession. Um, and, and, and I know that you, um, you didn't grow up here in America. And and um, so, what you know, do you mind telling us a little bit about your story and what brings you to the study of the stress-proof brain? And you know um, your your origin story, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Thank you. You know, so growing up, I grew up in South Africa, sort of towards the middle to the last years of of apartheid. Hmm. Um. And it was, you know, it was a weird place to grow up. It it was a beautiful place. You know, there's nature that's unrivaled. And as a white person there, you had a very good life, very, you know, much time for family, much time for connection with nature. It was quite, in a certain way, quite mindful but yet, you know, it's, you know, as I grew older, you know, it's uh, in some level, there's this whole other group of 80% of the population that's really put down, right, you know, that like you having this life, but in some ways, it's related to other people being put down. Mm-hmm. And especially as I was in my 20s, that is kind of a freak out. So, oh, you know, I can it's imagine. Like, yeah, like, ethically, how do I deal with this? The government was getting more and more repressive. Um, You
1: you have all this freedom, and you know that there are people, a substantial part of the population, who, just by virtue of the way they look, lack this freedom, yeah?
0: Yeah, lack the freedom to vote. There was also no freedom of speech. There was no freedom of press. Um, So, you know, and then there there were kind of rumors, like there's this activist Steve Beaker died in detention. And, you know, I was a college student, so in college, you know, you're trying to protest and this and that. But then what happened is a lot of my um, my fellow students started leaving the country, and part of it it was big piece was apartheid. And then the men were conscripted into the army. The boys, when they finished college, they had mm-hmm. to go to the army, and they didn't really believe in the cause, you know, to go and fight for apartheid. And um, right. there was devaluation. There was a lot of you could feel the anger and the. Stress bristling and the trauma bristling in the streets, really. how, how awful,
1: right? to to be enlisted into um, uh, putting your life on the line for a cause you have no faith in?
0: exactly. Yeah. exactly. And that maybe that you actually is against your morals in many sure. ways. So what happened is that my there was just all this change. there was fear, there was you know it was like lack of control, and um, a lot of people leaving. And so I had to make a very important decision at a very early age, like when I finished c- college after a few years, where I had an opportunity to come to the U.S. and study psychology. Yeah. You know, do I leave? Do I stay? And so I guess I had experience with with many of these, the factors that define stress at a, at a young age, but with some level of agency, um, but, you know, it's like I had to take a radical step of, of leaving my family. There was a big cost in a way to sure. exert that agency. So I think it made me a deeper thinker and it made me more compassionate and it made me very interested in, you know, how can I help people get feel more control over uncontrollable things and be empowered and, you know, feel safe, I suppose, despite lack of control. Oh, that's Over lovely!
1: Many. What 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 a lovely arc to your story, really. I mean, um, uh, that that makes such perfect sense, right? So, um, a, a, and and does it feel all connected? Like, do you feel like, yes? Yeah, so that the reason that I want people to have agency is because I watched and I was part of a culture where so many people didn't.
0: Where so many people didn't exactly.
1: Oh. Yeah. I- Oh good for you. I mean really that that's that's kind of amazing. And so um was the study of the brain a natural step for you or was this something that you know has always interested you how did, how did you get to actually studying, you know, cognitive neuroscience of all things?
0: So um so I went to graduate school in New York in Stony Brook and um i was in a as in a research group, and then they had all the professors come and give their you know their duck and their what do they call it horse and pony show the ten minute spiel yes. um <laughs> and one professor came in and he was very dynamic and and he was he he was studying stress he had you know he had quite an innovation and, and I said you all stress that's what I want to study because you know I'm going through a lot of it right now. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so then I started work with Arthur Stone, and um, he was a major stress researcher. And then I got into health psych. He was also doing health psychology, and some of his students were doing psychoneuroimmunology, studying the immune- immunity. So that's when I got into the mind-body connection. Got it. Um, then got I moved it. to California and I was a professor in a, a new health psychology program. So I guess that's where the mind-body stress thing came in, and then the, the brain was more of like an extension of that.
1: Got it, got it. Um, and, uh, and and was it was it partly? I think a lot of us go into um, the fields that we study in order to heal ourselves, in part. Um, uh, so
0: yeah, was yeah. there an
1: element of that? <laughs>
0: So you you know, yeah, he. I guess it was for me. How do I, you know, how do I find the world to be a safer place? I guess I could say it. How do I learn to perceive the world as a safer place? How do I learn to maintain hope when there's a lot of very powerful things out of my control?
1: Was it was it uh, was it interesting to come to the states to be suddenly in Stony Brook of all places? Right, you're in New York, um, and to see people who have. The freedoms that, that were missing for for so many mm-hmm. people in South Africa, and still see so much stress. W- were you surprised at the, the the level of stress that we have here?
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, I really was. Um, and I was also surprised at like how busy people were and how how much of the day was spent working. <laughs> compared to where I grew up, which is just, you know, it's Africa. It's like you you put feel the sun on your face. You have, Everybody takes like the, the whole month of December off. It goes to the beach. It's like the summer there.
1: Dr. Melanie, um, you're kidding. There's so much work to do. We don't have time for this.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, why are these people working all the time? I guess yeah. that was, that was my biggest thing. And, oh, God, now I have to work all the time. You know, look how <laughs> <Right>. much. <laughs> so that was hard. That, that was hard. It was easier because the weather wasn't so good.
1: Right, the December weather is uh, is a little different on this part of the yeah, planet, because like... <laughs> it makes it a little easier to be in the office. That's a that's a very good point. Um, do do you feel as if um, you know some we we could borrow um, and learn from some of the lifestyle that that you experienced when you were younger in South Africa? Do you feel like oh we should take that December off? We should we should have we should feel the sun on our face a little bit more often and maybe. Some of this mindfulness training would be more automatic for us.
0: Yeah, really. I think I think we should. I mean, not everybody has it can, but uh, because it is so much more competitive here. But I do think that. I mean, I think sometimes you you, you forget to be present. Yes. You know, lose yes. the pleasure of life, and that can make you laugh, and it can make you be creative. Um, and to me, you know, that's I've gone through different stages. Sometimes I've gotten caught up in it. But I do think when I, when I you know, when I practice my mindfulness, when I take a step back, I find it's very refreshing to patients you know, you come in and you're kind of relaxed and you laugh a bit with them. And, you know, it's not like you up here and they down there. It's a bit of like, I think just being South African, it's actually quite healing to people, that energy. And yep. um, yeah, the other thing, you can slow down, you can take care of yourself. It's okay, you know? Um,
1: yes, yes. Um, yeah. I mean, and that's what I, when you discuss some corporations who are, uh, that are incorporating some of this training into their work with their employees. And I've been part of that, and it sounds like you've been part of some of that as well. It, it feels mm-hmm. like kind of a stopgap, like this this way of um, creating a more productive workforce by not pressing mm-hmm. them harder, but actually encouraging them to relax a little bit more, to calm those areas of the brain that are mm-hmm. over-firing and over-stimulated.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like you learn to work smart rather than work hard.
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: then it's like also when you connect a bit more with your why, you know, the meaning of it, um, and, you know, with your relationships that with the team or, or whatever it is, I, you know, I think that's big as well. And it's, you know, in terms of preventing burnout and right. in terms of, you know, creating excitement, which fuels productivity and makes you want to work hard and make it feel less like work.
1: That's a really, really. I'm sorry, really brilliant thought. I mean, because you know, we don't we don't often think, especially in in, in corporate atmospheres, about our why. We just kind of do. Um, right. But right. It, it's hard, without that meaning behind our work. You know, I think it's I, I think burnout is inevitable for so many people.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Especially if you go 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 without a break.
1: Yes. Right. 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 Um, it- so so how does all this, th- there's a word you use in the title of your book, um, and, and it's neuroplasticity, which mm-hmm. I, I, lo- I love the idea of that word. Do you mind ex- just describing a little bit about what neuroplasticity yeah. is and what that means?
0: So plastic, the brain being is plastic, and plastic means it has the ability to change and be and remold, be remolded. Yes. Um, and to me, that's so exciting. So a brain is made up of billions of neurons, actually billions, I think. It's like half as many as stars in the Milky Way. That's how many neurons are in our brain.
1: Wow. And, um, that seems like there's possibility in that, right?
0: <laughs> uh, so it's infinite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, with repeat, like they, they say neurons that fire together wire together. So when we when we learn a certain way of thinking or um, when we learn a habit, it, it becomes like very programmed into our brain that we just automatically go there. Um and so neuroplasticity means you can actually you can learn by repeated practice and redirection of your thoughts or your behaviors. You can actually you know build a whole new road or you can build a whole new superhighway. Yes. Um, but you've got to hang in there while you're digging the ditch, you know, and the other you know, <laughs> um, and the and the parts you don't use tend to wither. You know, they tend to become more withered away and disconnected and weaker. Um, so I love that idea how you can really just, we can wire in the more positive and compassionate parts and you can actually, not only that, but you can weaken, you know, the automatic fear-based, anger-based, trauma-based parts.
1: That's, um, that, that seems so very important. Um, my mind is kind of drifting to the news lately, um, and, um, there, there's been talk about, um, Toxic like masculinity um with with all of this sexual assault on the news and all this uh, male aggression in the news um and and I think you're intimating that um even in somebody who is a perpetrator of this kind of like violence, I think is probably the best word for it that mm-hmm. you can retrain that brain to to you know um Kind of, kind of, deaden or weaken that that part of the brain that is prone toward violence or or that uh, kind of aggression, and strengthen a more compassionate part of the brain. That 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 all uh-huh. hope all hope yeah. isn't lost for yeah. many of us.
0: Exactly. I mean, yeah, there's hope in that. I think the difficult part is getting those people to actually, you know, invest in that. Like, yes. you want to do that. To, 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 put, to, to put in the practice and to actually, you know, give up habits that serve probably a big escape function for them, you know, maybe to escape from their own trauma or their own feeling, their own feelings, you know, or to sort of get away from being so invested in power. Um, so part of it's getting the people in the door. Sometimes the people that need it most don't come in the door. That is but, such a
1: brilliant thought. That is so very true, isn't it? <laughs> right? that, yeah. that you've got yeah. this message, and you know, boy, we got we want to get your book in the hands of the people who need it, and not always <laughs> they're not always the ones browsing the self help sections. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, if um, if you if you were giving your TED talk this moment, um, and and there was a message that you wanted our listeners to hear, um, is there something fundamental in stress proofing one's brain? Um, you know, is there a core thought or two that you want to make sure people kind of walk away with here?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I think that you can, part of it is that you can't avoid stress. Stress is a natural part of life, but you don't have to let it dominate and control you and ruin your life. Yes. So it's all about how you react to stress. So, you know, by, by learning new reactions to stress based on mindfulness, also based on, you know, how to view your stress in a more empowering way and emotion regulation um, and positive psychology, you can, you can not only manage your stress, but you could actually eventually build a different brain that gets less stressed. And oh. so you know, there's you have tremendous power, even though it feels that you can be powerless against stress, you actually, it's lots of work, but you can have tremendous power.
1: I just love that. Um I, I love that and I hope people are hearing that. That you you have e- as powerless as stress makes you feel, and boy, it really can, right? It really can make you feel like hopeless, powerless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that mm-hmm. you actually have agency here. And that is that is so important um to to know and to understand. So um if I am listening and I'm thinking I love Dr. Greenberg. I want to I want to buy this book. I want to read her blog, um The Mindful Self Express, right? Uh, right. Tell yeah. us a little bit about how we find you, how we find your book, um you know, if we want we want you to come and speak to our group, what do we do?
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So so my website is drmelaniegreenberg.com. Um and my book is On Amazon, it's in Barnes & Noble. It's called The Stress-Proof Brain. It's published by New Harbinger. And, you know, if you just Google it, you can find a lot of places. But Amazon would probably be the most obvious place. Um, I write a blog for psychology today. It's called The Mindful Self-Express. Self-Express. So you can Google that. Or you can just Google me and you'll find my Facebook page. I'm I'm at DrMelanieG on Twitter. I'm, I'm a lot on social media. So I hope that and you can also go to my website and sign up for my uh, newsletter with weekly tips on managing your brain with mindfulness and neuroplasticity managing your stress and, and, I,
1: and I strongly encourage you guys uh to, listening to to do this to 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 buy this book um, to to read dr melanie's blog uh, uh, subscribe to that newsletter dr melanie you you, you provide a, a a service here that I think is um understated uh, because I think so many of us need to know um, how the brain works, how the brain can aid us in in alleviating the stress, which is this cultural, societal ill that we're suffering more and more. And um, I worry too much that sometimes the experts in this field get too heady um, and kind of lose the audience of the regular person on the street. And, and you have this way of bridging that gap that I just love. So, you know, you have this way of speaking and of writing that really helps us connect these ideas. So I'm so grateful for the work you do.
0: Well, thank you. I'm, so, I'm grateful for this opportunity. And I think that really is my why. You know, I, I know there's all this knowledge out there, and it's bringing it it, you know, to a wider audience in a way that can be
1: really, can be useful. So. Well, it's hard not to honor that. I th- I'm really grateful um, for you and your work. And um, and thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you. <laughs> okay, folks, that is Dr. Melanie Greenberg. The book is The Stress-Proof Brain. Buy that book today. Subs- uh, check out the blog, The Mindful self express Psychology Today. Um, this is the Undo Anxiety Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and WGN Plus. Um, As always, I appreciate uh, the time and energy you spend here and hopefully you've walked away with something useful. On behalf of Dr. Greenberg and myself, I thank you and I will talk to you next time. Take care.